I'm Chris Mosier. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Autumn Greer. And this is Silver for Monsters. A Monster of the Week production. This is a bonus podcast from Monster of the Week, in case that wasn't obvious. We are going to be covering the Witcher novels, namely The Last Wish, the first of the novels. Uh, This is going to be a sort of bonus content type podcast, kind of from the side, on the side of uh, Monster of the Week, where me and Jeremy and a guest, this time it's Autumn, we're going to, uh, we're going to cover these Witcher books whenever we have the time, because we've talked about it so much, and now, um... Now we're going to finally do it. All right. Hey, so, Jeremy, Autumn, how are you two tonight? <laughs> Monster of the Week is our, is, our, is, our, is our main tick, and this is our this is side, our side chick. chick. So, <laughs> this is our podcast mistress, is what I'm excited to, to, to I'm, I'm feeling super great about your next guest in that case. Yeah. Autumn yeah. was our first guest. Now <laughs> we're going to get our real guest. Yes. Um, no, we're, uh, we're very happy to have you here, Autumn. Um, yeah, so you guys may know us from Monster of the Week, where we talk about hunks, a.k.a. Supernatural. Um, this, we're also mm-hmm. going to be talking about hunks, but this time it's going to be uh, Witcher hunks and monster hunks. So um, why don't we start? I'm rushing through everything, so why don't we just take it down a notch? And we'll start yeah, with slow this uh, down. your history, my friends, with the, the Witcher, with the series, the video games, the books, whatever it is. Uh, tell me about it. Autumn, I think you're the guest, so I think you should answer all of these questions first. Okay. Well, uh, I I guess my background would be, you know, in the morning, because I ride horses on the weekend, I'll get up, I'll get ready to go out to the barn to see my horses, and right as I'm walking out the door for a little while, that was when Jeremy would boot up The Witcher, and I would see the the start screen on it with um, a a rugged, handsome, um, silver-haired fellow, uh, white-haired fellow. Yeah, with a with a big a big big scar on his head, and I would say, "Hey, Jeremy, I love you. I hope you have an amazing day." And he would be like, "Yeah, yeah, okay, cool." And um, then I would leave. And then, gosh, maybe maybe a year later, I, I can't quite remember which which version of the video game it was, but uh, we were watching The Great British Bake Off, uh, one of, of my favorite shows. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, and it was the season with um Paul Paul Jagger or Paul Yeager, and um, he's. For anyone that watches Great British Bake Off, the guy that made that dope ass bread lion uh, that, that really, really wowed everybody. True. But he's the guy. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He, he's got like like gray hair, and he's got this big scar on his head. So I just called oh, him the Witcher sure. throughout. Yeah, the entirety <laughs> of that season of the Greatest Bake Off. I'm like, I hope the Witcher does it. He can get it done. <laughs> what is that um, dude's name? Uh, Paul Jagger, G A G G E R. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna add it to the show notes so people can see exactly how much this dude looks like, uh, <laughs> like just a, like a clean like a clean cut. He dr- looks like the Witcher's is, is, dad, or like Jeremy. if the Witcher's brother was like an accountant. <laughs> I just want to say, Jeremy, we're doing the Witcher podcast. You have to know how to pronounce Geralt. <laughs> it's definitely Gerald, right? That's that's you go with the soft G. Jeremy, please. <laughs> uh, my my history with the Witcher is that. Uh, and like an E3, 
I don't know how many years ago they uh, re- released this amazing trailer for The Witcher 2, which was uh, some dude like sneaking onto a boat and using some sort of weird magic to freeze everybody on the mm-hmm. boat. And it was probably the most cinematic and kind of the coolest thing that I had ever seen in my entire life. So uh, I was really excited. And then I got The Witcher 2. And it was right around the time, and this has happened to a lot of games, as people who listen to my other podcast know, uh, I was in the middle of playing Dark Souls when I picked up The Witcher 2. And I don't know if you know this, Autumn, but Witcher and Dark Souls play completely different from one another. So <laughs> this was, it was not a good, I just was not in a good space. Like The Witcher wanted me to make a bunch of bombs and I couldn't figure out how to make or use bombs. It just, it just seemed clunky and bad, so I never played it. And then The Witcher 3 came along and uh, I've played... Uh, what I what I think is like pretty much considered the first chapter of that. Mm-hmm. Like I went through the bloody Baron quest uh-huh. and it got to the end of that and did some did some content past that. And uh, it was one of those things where I definitely want to play more of this. I don't have the time. And right. uh, I've gone back. I picked it up. I uh, I picked it up just recently before as we were talking about this. And then as you and I have been talking about The Witcher, uh, I decided to start reading the books. And I started reading the books. And Autumn started reading the books. And that's how we came up with the idea for this podcast. Yes. And we said we should all talk about the books because. Yeah, like literally everybody has talked about these games, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> it is uh, the book that we're about to cover, The Last Wish, is what got me into The Witcher. Um, when they the first game came out, I don't, I didn't know a whole lot about it. I didn't have a PC that could play it, but I either saw a screenshot of it or something like that, um, and it was just a picture of Geralt with the two swords and the white hair and the scar on his head and all that, and I just th- thought like that guy looks cool. I like the word the Witcher or the, the words the the Witcher. I just thought that that sounded cool, and <laughs> I remember reading about it in whatever magazine and being like, "Oh, it's only for PC. I can't play it." Okay, uh, and then years later, The Witcher Two got ported to Xbox 360, which was something that I did have. I didn't have a PC yet then either, and uh, I I bought that game at a sale, but I was like, I don't know anything about The Witcher, so I don't know how much I'm going to enjoy this game. Then I went to the bookstore with one of my buddies and happened upon The Last Wish, this book. And was like, hey, that's that video game that I think is cool that I've never played. Uh, so I read the book and I completely was floored by it. These first two stories, especially, uh, as we're going to get into in a few minutes, they really uh, captured my imagination because they're the, the, I guess the subtle little things that they do seemed like it was just different enough from the fantasy that I had read previously that I totally fell in love with it. Uh, played The Witcher 2. I pre-ordered The Witcher 3 before... It even I even had a PS4, and I've put probably like 400 hours into it since then. So yeah, um, I have not read so all. You the definitely books. have the most experience for all yeah, of us. I think I think I might, but um, we're starting at the beginning, so we're kind of all on the same page here. Because uh, yeah, I, I've read I've read a few of the books, but not all of them. So this is this has been very interesting, especially with the perspective that I have now of playing the games to reread the first book, um, and really understand everything that's happening. And uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting. So the the book has definitely been translated from the Polish, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. uh, it's not it wasn't written natively in English. I think uh, for people coming to this kind of cold, uh, like I was, and Autumn, I'm curious about your opinion on this too. The, the there is a bit of a of almost a kind of a learning curve. Yeah. Because it's not if you're used to reading a lot of fantasy, especially especially in your if if you're lucky enough that your native language is in English, and that's where like a bunch of the epic fantasy stories come from. Uh, reading this can be a little difficult at first like it's a little 
like I, I almost and I don't know if this was intentional on the behalf of the author or if it was just me trying to come to terms with the translation but I was kind of clueless as to what was going on for <laughs> a little while just, and once you get into the main that like the main like the framing story was very confusing to me more than anything but the the main the main part of the story but even then the main story like just seemed like what is going on? Right. What? Did, who are these people? Should I know who this is? I don't understand. The, it didn't. It doesn't hold your hand through the intro. I guess not. is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, and the the first time that I read this, I had zero idea what was going on. Each chapter is started with a section called the Voice of Reason, and I I never even when I finished the book the first time through, I had no idea like what had really transpired in any of that. Partly because I wasn't yet as interested in like Geralt's like personality. I guess I just wanted to hear about like the monster stories. Uh, but this time through, even, even reading like the first prologue chunk here, I was like, what is <laughs> this? Like, he's like boning down on a ghost or something. Like, I mean, it seems like that's on brand for us, but, uh, <laughs> I don't really get it. And then even as, you know, we get to the sec- second part, I was like, oh, okay. So that was happening. And then he mentioned something and it, it just, the pieces were falling together. So hopefully throughout this podcast and by the end, we will be able to kind of uh, fully piece it all together. It's not like it's that mysterious, but like you say, being translated from a different language, it's definitely not holding our hands throughout it. Um, but now that I've come to understand it a bit better, I think that makes it a more enjoyable experience. You know, speaking about it having originally been written in Polish, I, I was going through and trying to do my preparation for the podcast so I could super impress you, Chris. But... Um, <laughs> In my head, because I guess in Polish, um, Witcher is Wiedzmin, but I read it as, but I read it as Weedman the whole time, like, because it's (laughs) W-I-E-D-Z-M-I-N, so I had this whole thing, I'm like, I'm going to be talking about how, you know, the Weedman, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm Geralt, the Weedman, but no, it's Wiedzmin, which sounds nothing like Weedman. I've actually never heard that pronounced, so that's really interesting, because I, like, I, I looked up how to pronounce the author's name. And a few of the towns, like the, f- the first town that we're going to be set in, is not pronounced the way that it is spelled. So that threw me for a loop. Um, but I think we'll do our best, right, guys? It's, it's, I mean... <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, um, Jeremy could probably tell you, I, I also have this thing with The Witcher where, do, do you know that Curtis Mayfield song Superfly, uh, or from Superfly, um, Pusher Man? Yeah, yeah. I've... I've been on and off writing lyrics in my head for um, you witch a man like for like ever since Jeremy started playing. It. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so. it's 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 like it's been happening for at least a year. That's like it, ever since we. See, I think probably it started when we uh, when you and I started talking about The Witcher and the outtakes mm-hmm. because Autumn listens to all of that stuff before the the podcast go public and she started asking me questions about The Witcher. It was it just became a t- thing of conversation and now all of a sudden like we'll just be looking at each other and like I'm your <laughs> Witcher. Yeah, I'm gonna need a full so, recording yeah. of that. So the listener, you'll will have already heard it because it was the intro. So because <laughs> it was the intro, of course. You know that actually would be pretty cool on the way in. Doom, doom, doom. You know, going through the whole <laughs> really set the tone. Because <laughs> yeah. we'll it, it, it we'll is to... extremely sexy. Yeah, and so is Geralt. So I'm here for it. I am a hundred percent here for it. Uh, so are you guys ready to uh, to get into this? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, give us give us what, 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 where do we start, Chris? So, um, the last wish is uh, by and- Andre Sapkowski. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. The last wish is the introduction to The Witcher, uh, and even in the uh, English edition of the book, it just says "Introducing The Witcher" underneath it. Uh, this is a collection of short stories, essentially, uh, a lot of little one-off monster of the week 
events for Geralt that all tie together into an overarching narrative uh, that sort of introduces this character of the Witcher uh, and starts to play into a, a greater storyline that's going to develop in further books. Um, but starting off, I mean, it kind of just it just kind of just throws you right in there, and we we don't have much uh, in the way of understanding. So um, you ready to start the first? Well, chapter? I mean, we under- we we understand exactly what's going on though, because the Witcher is getting down. Yeah, the Witcher is. Um, <laughs> if you thought werewolf sex was crazy, <laughs> think again. <laughs> so the 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 first chapter, chapter one, the voice of reason. Uh, it's just like Geralt sleeping. And we don't know where he is, or, or we don't know who Geralt is. It's just this this man. Um, he's sleeping, he's snoozing away, and then someone, some woman, some I believe he describes her as a water nymph later on. Uh, this mm-hmm. phantom-like woman just sort of comes into wherever he's sleeping. Uh, and we learn here, we don't learn a whole lot about what's happening, um, other than uh, ghost boning. But he says something about how like the, the brush of silk on skin was enough to wake him up. And if that wasn't enough to wake him up when she started rubbing her nipples on his eyelids, yeah. that also was a helper. <laughs> he's, he's like, I was pretty sure about the silk on skin thing, uh, but nipples on my eyelids, I would know that anywhere. Oh, he, he makes Kratos and God of War seem like he's never gotten laid. Uh, and that's going to be a running theme is just Geralt constantly getting laid. Um, but here, at fr- I was reading this the first time through and I was like, oh, no, my friends are going to think that this is a really bad book. Why? What? It's just he's having sex with a ghost and we don't really know. She's not a ghost. Let's, let me clarify. She is not a ghost. Um, but she comes into the room and she's just sort of seems almost like a succubus. Uh, we don't really know what she's doing, but she, she comes in and um, she grinds on our sleeping boy here. Yeah, this is a this is a weird way to open a book of your main character getting laid by some like weird monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is I thought I didn't even I thought this may be a dream too because, um, like it, it just because it, it goes immediately into like later, like that's how the next chapter starts out is like later on, <laughs> and I'm like wait yeah, a minute, yeah, what 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 what? <laughs> the, yeah, the, the first, but it was fine. Like it's 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 good. The uh, it almost feels like that was added in like this this first thing the voice of reason was added in after, um. To, to be the beginning of this book to kind of match up with all the other chapters uh, because that's about a page and a half long it's just this little encounter it seems like this man is having a dream we don't know anything about him um, but then we go into the next section which is just titled The Witcher and like you just said Jeremy the very first line is later it was said the man came from the north from Roper's Gate it's just this like okay <laughs> what sure and yeah weird, absolutely weirdly enough chronologically this does not even take place later <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the other thing, <laughs> and I, I feel like that's the that's the issue with the the translation, right? Like, I feel like especially, and I've heard this before from um, I don't know if, if you listen to the Giant Bombcast uh, or the Beast Cast from the one they do from New York, but Vinny Caravella is a huge fan of this book, and uh, he was he's he's gone on record as saying like the first books are translated kind of poorly, mm-hmm. and then they get better and better as they go. So I don't know if this is just like early translation work that they haven't called back yeah. to clean up yet. It's, or, or it's weirdly very much grown on me now that I've gone through it a few times. And listening to the audiobook as well, which was actually also very off-putting at first, has now very much grown on me, and I, I really like the way that it's presented in this style. I think it's just a matter of getting used to it. Not that necessarily that even means that it is good, but just that once I kind of adjusted to it, I started to like it because uh, it... it just wasn't as straightforward i don't know there's just something about it, it just, i just really like the yeah Witcher. yeah there's definitely yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as you slowly became fluent in polish um yes. you really grew to enjoy the audiobook 
Um, all right. So yeah, we're treated to uh, we treated. It's kind of a typical like fantasy opening, right? Like badass dude just rolls into town looking for a place to stay. Um, and as we're going to learn in a few minutes, this is this is in fact the Witcher, the eponymous Witcher. Uh, he comes into town. This place called uh, Vichim. That's how they say it in the audiobook. <laughs> it's spelled W Y Z I M, uh, but apparently it's pronounced Vichim. Uh, he comes into this place. And he's just walking on foot, leading his horse beside him. Uh, he's wearing, like, a black coat. He, he always calls it a coat. He never calls it a cape. I don't imagine what you will with that. Uh, but he's wearing this black coat, even though it's really hot out. Um, and the first thing he does is walk right on by the really crowded, bustling inn. And then he goes down the street to an inn called The Fox, which is kind of like a, a seedier-looking place. Yeah, this would be your uh, th- th- this would be your your, your local watering hole, right? Mm-hmm. Like not the place where that all the tourists are going, but like the place where your your, your locals are going to drink their problems away. Like I lost my foot with because I have gangrene and we don't have doctors here, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna go drink at this bar. So it's basically a Chili's, just so we're clear. It's a Chili's. <laughs> it's a Chili's next to a Barnes right and Noble. Right next to a Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Geralt sees the fancy uh, like local cuisine, uh, four stars, and he goes no. <laughs> And then he goes right on by into the chilies, and he he walks up and he orders a beer. Um, I think it's also very interesting that, that so he goes into this this place called the Fox, this inn of ill repute, uh, and he he orders a beer. And I, the first time that we are given a description of his voice, it is described as unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because uh, as as someone who had played enough of the games to like know the voice actor like it's really hard to get the 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 visual picture of Geralt and uh his and his like his voice out of your head as you're reading so like and I don't consider that unpleasant he's he's just kind of down here a lot yeah. like he, he's kind of like John Winchester in the comic Absolutely. books <laughs> yeah he's got yeah. dust in all his pockets um <laughs> so yeah he walks up he orders a beer in his unpleasant voice uh and we just jump right in on how everybody is racist against Rivians. So, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, Rivians. Fucking blah. Rivians. It's funny because later on it feels like everybody hates him because he's a witcher. Like that's how it's always presented in the books or, or rather in the games. And I don't know if it's because like that's just like an easier thing to digest if you are like in on the lore. But yeah, like boom, right away. Like, oh, this fucking Rivian. This, they're just immediately racist. They hate him because yeah. of his accent. Uh, I guess they don't like the way he looks. Uh, he's described as... Uh, First of all, they're just calling him the stranger and the outsider here. He's not the Witcher or Geralt yet. But it says the stranger was not old, but his hair was almost entirely white. Beneath his coat, he wore a worn leather jerkin laced up at the neck and shoulders. And somewhere further on, it talks about how he wears his sword, not two swords, by the way, just the sword on his back. And how it's not unusual uh, for people to be carrying swords. They established that this world is full of, you know, people who would be carrying weapons with good reason. But for a man to be wearing a sword on his back like that, like as a bow or a quiver or something, seems to stick out a lot more. Yeah. Yeah, this is uh, kind of interesting because I, I just I, li- I really like the uh, – it's a real striking image, and you don't really think about it until you think of um, – you just don't think about dudes wearing swords like this mm-hmm. very often because it seems like it would be – I'm going to say 1,000% impossible to, sh- to sheathe your sword because like, <laughs> you're going to have to hold it like 19,000. Like are his arms – Elastic? Is that what he does? It actually <laughs> describes some of the weird shit that he does, like with the strap that he has the the sheath on, where he like pulls it and like does different mm-hmm. stuff, to, like get the sword in and out. Which I guess is just supposed to go to show cool. yeah, how yeah. I yes, like that. he's like he's prepared. He knows what he's doing. Um, but yeah, so we have this white-haired man, and um, 
they they say repeatedly throughout it's like he's got like full-on white hair but he's not old everybody he's still young he's still hot like don't get it twisted um yeah he just he just has cool white hair um but he goes up yeah he orders he orders a beer he tries to uh to get a room at the inn and they're like no go stay at the inn down the road like we don't we don't have room here and he's like but i'll pay you like come on like hook me up uh and it's it's not long before people are like hey get this fucking shithead rivian out of here yeah, him and his big wolf medallion. Yeah, him and his big, hot, sexy wolf But Get him out of here. I don't like it. Chris, what is what is wrong with Rivians? Can you can, can you give us some background on that? I, I feel like they're just... we, didn't really, we didn't really talk about a, a spoiler thing for mm-hmm. this, but like I don't think we're, we'll spoil like major plot points from the game. But like I, I am, I am going to need you to color some of this in for me at some place. Some so Rivia and, is kind of use your best judgment as far as what what's a spoiler and what's not. I can probably fill in more of the Rivia stuff later on, but it's just a different okay. place. Uh, and it okay. There, so it's okay. There are a lot of different like factions and and kind of countries that speak similar languages, but they're all like a little bit different. They're all there's several different kings, and everybody's sort of almost always at war, but like not maybe not quite. But it's just. Uh, it's a very rundown world, and it's a world where seemingly the monsters are not the worst of the problems. Everybody is sort of xenophobic and doesn't want outsiders coming in, and that is exactly what Geralt is. He very much represents the outsider in like every way, shape, or form. <laughs> Even the way he looks and the way he carries his sword is different and weird. You know, obviously we'll get to this probably in later books and not just in the first two chapters of this book, but the the Wikipedia <laughs> like kind of blows it and is like, oh, by the way, he's not actually from Rivia. He's just pretending. He is 100% like, just pretending to be from Rivia, yeah. Like, <laughs> he... like, like why would you be like, I'm going to find like the, the one group that people are super racist against, learn their accent and pretend to be them. <laughs> I know that just he... Just make it a little tougher. <laughs> he, um... <laughs> there is a point where he, he was given the title of... Uh... Of Rivia, but um, I guess we'll get to that at a certain point. Um, yeah. But yeah, now these ruffians at the bar, they see this outsider, this freaky looking dude with his weird sword and everything, uh, and they don't like him. They want him to leave. Uh, and they, they tell him as much. They, they, they tell him he's a, he's a Rivian and they're all sneaky and uh, he needs to just pay and get out of here. But Geralt insists that he's going to stay and finish his beer, which of course indicates to everybody involved that, uh, yeah, shit's about to go down. Yeah, and this is uh, th- this is this was kind of surprising to me because I, I I know again coming from the video games like I know the Witcher isn't just an immediately violent mm-hmm. person, but like they start kind of getting rough with him, and he just immediately fucks these guys up with his sword. Yeah. <laughs> like there is no there's no hesitation, and I was like, does he know that these guys are bad already? Is that what's happening? Yeah, it's um it's intense, and and it really sets an an interesting tone for Geralt because you think, okay, here's a super violent dude. This is how he's going to handle everything. This is going to be the tone of of how he deals with everything but uh spoilers for the rest of this podcast i think this is his only body for the entire uh next two chapters despite all the things that he faces this is the only thing that Geralt himself technically kills uh and by thing i mean this dude um but yeah (laughs) this this poor (laughs) footless man who's just in here trying to drown his sorrow he didn't kill any monsters he just (laughs) killed some townspeople dude uh it's it's interesting that it's always um Whenever he draws his sword, it's always described as hissing out of its sheath. Uh, it makes it seem like he's this this viperous type of person, this menacing individual, and he is. But uh, yeah, they they start roughing him up or you know getting in his face. Somebody pulls back a fist to punch him. Geralt dodges out of the way. That sword comes hissing out, and he just cuts the dude down. And the the ensuing like carnage, I guess. It's just the one dude that he that he cuts down, as far as I'm aware. Um, 
and it's ugly. Like there's a woman screaming and all everybody is like freaking out. It doesn't once the deed is done, it doesn't necessarily make him seem like a cool action hero. It's just like, oh, what the f- okay, all right, you you overreacted. And I think having played the video game, it almost is like you're desensitized to like a dude being hyper violent all the time. But to just yeah. like roll up into a bar, we're like, yeah, they're being dicks, but like you don't just fucking kill them. <laughs> they didn't even have like like they rolled up with like leather cudgels to like try yeah. to fight them with. Like they didn't even have. I mean, it's unlike an actual Chili's. They're not used to people pulling swords and. <laughs> Waving them around. They usually ask me to leave as well, so that part yeah. checks out. I can see the Savage Yelp review right now. Yeah. Never go to this Chili's. They will not allow you to wear your sword. Um, so, yeah, everybody's kind of freaking out, and Geralt, he, he kind of curls up. He gets into a defensive stance up against the wall. Uh, nobody knows what to do. Everybody's sort of freaked out. Uh, and that's when the uh, the town guard come in. Uh, they're yelling and shouting and they're like, holy shit, this guy just killed a man. What is happening? This is, who is this weirdo? Uh, they're trying to get all tough with him. And, uh, that's when Geralt, although I don't think he would really need to, he, he puts his sword to the side. He puts it under his arm and then he does some sort of strange sign with his hands that seems to have a hypnotic effect on the guard. Yeah, this was really interesting because, uh, I, again, we haven't really, we don't know much about Geralt uh, in this pocket so far but like knowing that he can instantly kill a man and then also possess a man to make him yeah, do his bidding do like I'm way interested in who this guy is yeah, yeah. Um, give me more please but they mm. are they're insisting that that like you're coming with us we're gonna arrest you we're going to drag you to the Castellan and and you're gonna be you're good you're in trouble you're a big steep shit for this you you, uh, you psychopath uh, and it's interesting to, to imagine these people trying to actually take Geralt away um, but he he casts this sort of hypnotic spell on on the closest guard and rather than being like you know bugger off leave me alone i'm gonna do what i want he goes i'm gonna come with you quietly and you're gonna take me to the castle on and we're gonna have a conversation but you're not dragging me through the street uh and just i guess to further show how much influence he has over these people with this power of his they're all just like oh, okay and then he calmly walks with them to meet the castle on and uh uh, th- th- this struck me as weird too, because again, he just walked into this 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 room, this this Chili's, yeah. killed a man, and then like was like the cops showed up, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll go in peace. Like I'm cool. Like what what what? <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? Also, still has his <laughs> sword. On him? Yeah, yeah. Somebody take that sword away from this guy. He does not. He's not. Yeah. Being what safe about his it. horse? Did he leave the horse outside? Because he walked in with the horse, not into the bar. I feel like he probably left the horse outside. Um, he probably left the horse outside. Yeah. Otherwise, there'd be a whole like why the long face routine. It'd be a whole thing. Through. Yeah. <laughs> he's a Rivian. He's just troubled. Yes, that's as we know them to be. Uh, they're very troubled. Um, so uh, Geralt meets up with the uh, the Castellan of uh, the Chim. He's basically like the mayor, if that word doesn't mean anything to you. Um, and his name is Velarad. Uh, and he's like, okay, freak. <laughs> Let's talk about like what just happened. Uh, Geralt is now standing there. He, he's given up his sword. Uh, he's he's not in chains or anything, but he's, he's meeting with this man named Velarad. Uh, and to cut to the chase, he basically says like, yeah, I, I know that you guys have been posting this bounty all over the place in taverns, all over the, uh, the, the region, uh, about a little situation that you have. Yeah. A little yeah, this situation. Is, uh, 
this uh, a little situation. Um, I, I, I like this conversation a lot because it, it we, we find out so much more f- about this world than we knew before. So because uh, with this dude whose name I've already forgotten, Velarad, basically says like, "Hey, like magic is forbidden. Like you sh- number one, you should not have been doing that. Number two, like you walked in and killed a dude. Like that's wrong. And like number three, everybody hates you. Again. Yeah. Like so you just it's automatically like building this world and." You know, he he hand uh, Geralt hands this. I don't, I'm not going to say it the right way anytime in this podcast. I don't I don't even know what the right way <laughs> it's is. Like, like I just want you to know. It that. Start it like you're starting Gary, but then it's Geralt. Gary. Geralt. No, I'm just gonna, now I'm just going to call him Gary. Yeah. I can, call him I'm Gary. That's do fine. That. That's fine. Um, call him Gary. <laughs> that won't be confusing at all to anybody. Right. Just call him Gare Bear. Uh, just call him Big call G. Him Gare Bear. <laughs> Big G, big G, big G, and the witches yeah. um, coming live. So yeah, he- yeah, I, I, but, I, but but I like this. I like this a whole lot. Like this this way of introducing a little uh, like context to the world is is really good mm-hmm. for me. I like uh, I like the characterization of all of these minor characters. I don't know what it is. They're, most of them are not good people, uh, but I enjoy reading about them. Uh, even this guy Velarad, who's just got this sort of like this dismissive attitude towards everything even though this is like an extremely serious situation where Geralt comes in he's like yeah you've been posting this bounty everywhere for like 3,000 gold um and apparently there's a rumor about being able to marry the princess if you're able to succeed in whatever this bounty is uh, and Velarad is immediately just like yeah bugger off dude that's the second time I've used that expression <laughs> he tells Geralt to bugger <laughs> off uh like he's like this is this is serious shit like we're not playing at this is three thousand gold like a lot? Do you think? Like, that's, is that like a lot of gold? It's pretty big. It's like, it's probably like three thousand dollars, which is not like, you know, you're not gonna buy a house with three thousand dollars, but like you're gonna be set for a while, especially if you ain't got no bills and you're riding around on a horse all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Bear doesn't have a mortgage. No, he does not have so, a mortgage. Like, you don't have to worry about. Yeah. He doesn't have a retirement program. I feel like he yeah. mostly lives in the woods, so just traveling and- from place to place. And this land has universal health care and that it has universally no health care. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this person is telling telling Geralt, you know, he needs to, to take this seriously or, or he's not taking it seriously. But he says, yes, I am. This is my job. Um, and uh, he, he reveals, first of all, he reveals that his name is Geralt of Rivia uh, and that he is a witcher. This is where we first get his name. Um, but the Castellan says, uh, I'm going to quote here. She says, what times, what foul times 20 years ago, who would have thought even in a drunken stupor that such a profession as a witcher would exist. Itinerant killers of basilisks, traveling slayers of dragons and vodniks. Tell me, Geralt, are you allowed beer in your guild? He goes in for this like big complaint, which gives a pretty good worldview of what people think witchers are immediately into. Can you drink beer? And Geralt is I like, I love this guy. I don't know if you were like making fun of me or like you were offering but he just says certainly <laughs> like you got you guys got beer I, I really like uh Geralt's like whole kind of reticence to talk thing like he, mm-hmm. he a lot mm-hmm. of times he'll just like look at this dude when he asks a question as if to say you already know the answer to it why do I have to respond to right. it right and uh that's probably my favorite thing about that we get from Geralt in, in these uh these chapters that we're covering because I think Geralt is a very talkative person when the time is right. And he is a very intelligent person, a very charismatic person. There's a lot to him. He's not just a stoic, silent, tragic past dude. Like, he, he's not any of those things. But he understands the game that is always being played with people. And he understands that silence often is a lot better when negotiating or when getting information than, than asking questions is. Because uh, people like Velarad just sort of end up revealing things. <laughs> 
Exactly. I like, I like that we get a teaser trailer too, basically, for this season of The Witcher, where they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, we got werewolves, we got Rasakas, we got <laughs> Lyshies, we got, you know, like he's just doing a list of every mm-hmm. character we could encounter in the next couple books. <laughs> It didn't. Uh, it didn't make it through the translation, but Hell's Bells is playing throughout this, so it's basically yes, like a like an opening sequence on Supernatural. Exactly. So we have, we're we're right in our wheelhouse here. Um, but now now we're going to get into the uh, the meat and bones of the case here. He's just he's working a case just like Sam and Dean. Um, he the 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 what's his name Velarad reveals what what the haps is the the reason that this bounty has been placed. Basically, uh, King Foltest, who's the king of the area. Uh, a little, a little while back, 14 years to be exact, he uh, he got somebody pregnant, you guys, and it wasn't just it was. Oh, he he was in a he was in a relationship, a committed relationship with his so wife. So the thing about King Foltus is that he was not in a committed relationship with his wife, presumably a queen. Uh, no. Oh, this must have been a serving like a serving girl that he kind of. This is like a bastard um, child situation. So definitely for sure a bastard child, but um, it. it the mother in this case was uh, King Foltest's sister, uh, a woman named Ada. Um, and so, uh, so Geralt got or Geralt, jeez, no, not Geralt. Uh, King Foltest. We have spent so much time not talking about incest on the main Monster Movie podcast. And here we are. And here we are Dropped in the right first Monster it. of the Week <laughs> Productions presents. Um, so yeah, Foltest got his sister Ada pregnant. When she gave birth she gave birth to a monster. And as we're going to learn in a few minutes, it's a monster called the Striga. And it is basically a, a cursed child. Everyone believes that she is cursed because she was the child of incest. Uh, it drove people mad when she was born. Um, the The mother died. Of course, Ada died. Uh, and she was buried in a sarcophagus uh, in the basement or something of the old palace. Uh, Cause we're going to get to that in a second. Um, a lot of wise men came, knowing ones, I think they might be referred to as, came to kind of see this baby, this this bastard monster child of the king, uh, and nobody really knew what to do with it, but they said you need to, to burn it or uh, get rid of it or bury it out somewhere else. You can't just have it here, but King Foltest, being a weirdo who was obsessed with his sister, buried not only his sister here at, at the palace, but he also buried this monster child uh, when it died a stillbirth or, you know, a monster birth, whatever. Um, but as time went on, uh, the king's bastard daughter did not stay dead, and uh, she came back fully as this monster that now every full moon is coming out and is killing people. <laughs> and uh, he's not too happy about it. But he also, still being the obsessed weirdo he is, King Foltus does not want his daughter to just be killed. You know, I for one am very happy to finally see in a fantasy novel some consequences for sleeping with your sister. It's it's finally coming true. <laughs> like Game of Thrones, it's like when they, people complain about how movies glamorize smoking or heroin use. Game of Thrones <laughs> makes it look like there's almost zero. Like name a consequence in Westeros for Cersei and Jaime Lannister yep. besides not getting to get married. It's kind of that's yeah, kind of the only hiccup for them. Here you get a monster baby and your wife dies, so it's a little bit more. Yeah. I'm sorry, your sister. Yeah. Your sister. I'm sorry. They're they're rich well. and um, their kids are all beautiful. Like, <laughs> finally, a consequence. So uh, I think Velarad reveals to Geralt this has been this bounty situation has been happening for about seven years. For about seven years, people have been trying 
to to either kill the daughter at first that's what they were trying to do until some traveling bard put into the king's head the idea that no it's it's just a spell that can be broken nobody needs to go in there and and kill the striga or the princess excuse me nobody needs to go in there and kill her they just need to break the spell uh and as we're going to learn throughout this the world of the witcher and like the lore of the witcher or the the rules of magic it's all very much based on like fairy tales uh and superstitions uh like heavily <laughs> having to do with superstitions uh but the superstition here is that if somebody can spend the night uh with the striga and she is out of her sarcophagus by the third uh what crow of the the cock or whatever they describe it as the third the yep c- yep nope nope that's it that's it you got it uh, crow of the cock if they can if they can spend the <laughs> night with her and have uh her be out of her sarcophagus come dawn uh, then rumor has it that the spell will be broken and she will be returned to a normal girl. Which seems a little pat to me. <laughs> like, uh, like, and I, you know what I'm saying? Like, this just seems like, like a series of things that you would go through and all of a sudden you have a normal person up after 14 years of some, some rando monster terrorizing a community mm-hmm. just seems a, a little bit pat. Yeah. But, um, so that is, uh, the king is offering 3000 orins. It's not gold. I'm sorry, everybody. It's not called gold. They're called orins. Um, he is, uh, he's offering 3,000 orins, not for her to be killed, but for this spell to be broken. Uh, many people have tried, and, and no one has succeeded. Even a witcher has come before and didn't even bother. He just was like, yeah, okay, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm going to die. It's not worth the price to even bother. Um, I absolutely adore the, the, the way that... Um Velorad describes the people that have come and tried mm-hmm, this before mm-hmm. because it's just like a it's a it's a it's a menagerie of idiots <laughs> and and like sorcerers that I think that I would just like at least one day want to just party down with right like just there's <laughs> throw some beers down talk about how all of this whole striga thing is just ridiculous that you can't just go in there and kill her because that's the easiest thing to mm-hmm. do in the world um but there's there's a bunch of stuff about uh they, he talks about the sorcerers and how they all came with uh, with with giant clubs, and it's like no doubt that they use these to beat the dogs off of them after they get dog sicked on them. Like just the fact that <clears throat> the fact that you know the, the, he just looks down on all of these people that have coming to help. I think is it's just really good. It makes me like this dude, despite this dude. Uh, yeah, the, despite His- this dude just being. Uh, uh, like, like, kind of a, kind of a dingus. Yeah, he I has this, this sneering attitude towards everybody, including Geralt. But he's also weirdly very like welcoming to Geralt. Like, he did, did offer him a beer. He's like, all right, well, I mean, I'm sit down. I'm gonna tell you all this. So, like, uh, let's get into it. And it's like he enjoys having the audience of Geralt, even though he clearly is put off by him uh, and thinks this whole business is is a whole lot of nonsense. Uh, so much so, in fact, that in no uncertain terms, he doesn't come out and just say, uh, "I am offering." But he says, you know, there are a group of concerned individuals who think that the king's obsession with this is uh, foolhardy and we're, are paying a, a different sum, not as large as the 3000 uh, but we're willing to pay about 1000 to to have her just killed, to have somebody go in there and kill her. Uh, then you will take off in the night and uh, that'll be that. Nobody will be the wiser and you'll be a little bit richer. Um, but Which is, a, which is slick, right? Because mm-hmm. like, you could... To, to prop these dudes up is like, hey, you're not going to get all of the money, but you could just get the hell out of here and with your life, do us a favor and get a little bit of money. Like, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, it's um, 
it just goes to show even in this this small little segment, this small view of the team that we've been given, that there is a lot going on. You know, there are people who are already kind of conspiring against the king, uh, even in just small ways. Um, but Geralt, who, who's he's not willing to accept anything one way or the other. He wants to meet with the king. He wants to have a formal discussion about this. Um, and even in that, he still bargains for more money from the second party. He's like, well, if the last Witcher wouldn't even try to bargain with you for a thousand like he didn't go in see the striga and think you know what a thousand's not enough you gotta give me more no he went in saw the striga and he was like yeah no fuck this i'm just gonna leave uh so Geralt, <laughs> he's, he's a smart man because they tried to offer him even less than that he's like yeah you're gonna give me 1500 uh and that's how it's gonna go so he's Geralt has secured like a a, a coin pur- purse for himself regardless of whether he's able to uh, break the spell or just kill the thing. Like, he, he's already kind of shown that he can he can work the playing field here. He knows how to get paid. He knows, and that's um, that's something I didn't know going into the games, because the games do the thing where, like, it, that you get a prompt for one of early quests is like, do you want to demand money from this dude or just do it out of the goodness of your heart? And when you play... When I was playing for the first time, I was like, "Oh yeah, just out of the goodness of my own heart, I'm a hero. Like I'm doing this." But now that I've read this, this, and I've I've talked to you more about The Witcher. Now when I'm playing the games, I'm like, "No, fuck you, pay me." That's what yes, I'm looking for yes. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the, um, he's into the three Bs: beers, beauties, and bounties. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're they're kind of they have this tenuous sort of potential deal that they're sitting on, uh, and then we mm-hmm. are uh, we are introduced to full test the king um he's on the younger side i think Geralt describes him as like under 40 around 40 uh he's got like a pretty face um and he's just like immediately a pompous dick and obviously he's a you know he's a sicko he's he he got his sister pregnant with the monster baby uh but i like foltus a lot i like his characterization a lot because he is first of all he's such a pompous dick when he's like what made your hair so gray magic and he's like that's a joke don't say anything he's just immediately like, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, if, if you have to say it was a joke of... it's not funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i think the quote is literally it's the opposite of please what laugh. made your hair so gray <laughs> that was a joke yeah, <laughs> yes, <don't> yes. <laughs> what made your hair so gray magic i can see that you are not old that was a joke say nothing <laughs> girl's just like all right whatever um and they uh yeah it's time to it's time to talk it through um let's see Okay, so I, I like I like this scene because uh, we obviously have like a couple of dudes that are hanging out around this king, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you know kings always have dudes to, to do their oh bidding. for sure. And uh, but but uh, the king whose name I'm also not able to pronounce. This is going to be a Foltus is going to be a running. This is going to be a running joke, by the way. <laughs> like I'm just not going to be able to pronounce anything in these books. Honest, I appreciate it. Um, but he's basically like, hey have my guys explain it to you uh if they don't do a good job then you're, you're i'm gonna kill you see you later mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then just goes it goes and leaves like that's that's a that's a dope king move in my mind yeah. um and <laughs> I, just I, I was gonna say i like that velarat at the beginning too was like hey make sure that you say the princess like you don't want to piss him off yeah don't say striga say the princess like mind your p's and q's like don't fuck yeah. this up dude um so yeah, the, the full test is like, okay, I've said my piece. Like, you can talk to my my men now. I'm I'm gonna uh, bugger off. I'm using that expression again. What's happening? I don't even think anyone in this book says bugger off. <laughs> You're just you would just listen to me in English podcasts yeah, for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he basically has an interview now, Geralt, with um, I believe I don't know if it's no Velarad is no longer there. It's this dude named Ostrit, and I think that there's somebody else there, but I didn't write down his name. Sealand. Oh yeah, that's right, Sealand. 
Uh, or seize, seize something them. like I that. Really so Lord yeah. S and then Ostrit, uh, who are like, yeah, the, the, the King's men, um, Geralt sort of interviews with them about the situation and, uh, the monster itself. Um, but we also learn a little bit here about the Witcher code, uh, as they're all sort of poking and prodding him for questions, um, and his means of like, Hey, how do you plan on dealing with this? Uh, Geralt is like, it's it's a trade secret. <laughs> like, they're like the fucking Masons. He's like, we can't tell you anything about what we do, because that's this is their livelihood. If everybody knew how to do it, then they'd be out of a job. Uh, so he won't really reveal what they're going to do. Um, he's not going to um, reveal past quests. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, which is which is weird because you would think that in this business your your past quest your trophies would be all that matters right and so I'm it makes me way more interested in what this what this clan of people like that the witchers are that they're they're so badass they can't talk about the things that they have done. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, yeah, finally Geralt gets to start asking some of the questions and, and prodding a little bit because he's begun the hunt. You know, this is this is him getting out the old laptop and doing some good old fashioned research. Uh, but he asked them. He said. I would like to hear a description of the dot, dot, dot princess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Velarad describes her as the princess looks like a Striga, uh, like, mo- like the most Strigish Striga I have heard of. Her Royal Highness, the cursed Royal Bastard is four cubits high, shaped like a barrel of beer, has a maw with which stretches from ear to ear and is full of daggers, li- dagger like teeth, has red eyes and a red mop of hair. Her paws with claws like a wild cat's hang down to the ground. I'm surprised we was yet to send her likeness to friendly courts. Uh, and, and this is not a small problem. He, I don't remember if it's here or a little bit earlier or later, but he also mentions she kills like 50 people a year. She like, kills she's not so playing many people. around. Yeah, even when it's not she, people I mean, going in. How many people... How many people are in this town that they could afford 50 casualties a year just to one Striga? Like, what and, is going on? And that's on top of, like, your regular injuries, like, with no medical care, like, to farm implements, like, that's scythes. Right. And, and to witchers you know, coming into your bars. Falling down a ladder. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And to just probably getting a cold and then dying later from it. Um, <laughs> You're just here to do research to open up a, a, a Applebee's. Get out of our chilies. Yeah. It, um, it just... It reminds me of like this kind of like like um, boys will be boys sexual harassment thing. Like just oh well, that's the Striga. You had that's to just expect the Striga. it. I mean, yep. st- you know, it's the good old Striga's club. That's how they are. <laughs> like, um, but so yeah, I mean, they had to abandon abandon an, an entire palace. They make it sound like Vachim is like this tiny little like shithole in the wall because Geralt picks the one shithole in the wall to get a drink at. Um, but uh. Presumably, it's it's a bigger settlement. It's like a, I mean, they have a palace. They have two palaces. They have an abandoned palace and then a new one. Yeah, they. I guess I guess that is a point. Like that they did. They literally were like, "Oh, we can't use this palace anymore. Let's go to palace number two. <laughs> like, <laughs> how many palaces do they have? Like a like a summer palace and a winter palace? Because that'd be dope. Yeah. Uh, except the the winter palace just belongs to the street now. Um, Oh, true. So yeah, she's just she's been killing like like so like too many people. Like she's it's been seven years of this shit, uh, and nobody's been able to do anything. And it's just like oh, it's the full moon. She's gonna kill. And if anybody goes within the palace walls, even outside of the full moon, she gonna kill again. Like it's 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 a big problem. Um, but Geralt asks if anybody has survived, and I believe that they do have. I think one fella who managed to survive. Uh, so. Geralt goes to have a little uh, little chit chat with this fella, I believe. 
but that's that's all done off camera. Uh, we don't see that in the book. Um, we come. Uh, Geralt comes back. He's at his room that they've allotted him at the guardhouse. You know, he's he's eaten with these folks. Uh, he's learned all he can. He has now interviewed this survivor. We don't see that, uh, but basically, he sums it up that he learned more from this man's wounds than he did from anything he had to say. He's he's in those Witcher senses. He's holding L two. Holding L two for Witcher senses. And does it doesn't he get high right after this on like some wolf's bane? Like yeah. he gets he gets high. Geralt is for hunt. sure about to get high to go hunt. That is his his one hundred percent. he loves he loves smoking some oil. There's that part that's, where that he's, is, it's definitely his jam. He's just standing. The Veeds man still. is about to get out there. Yes, yes. He's, he's, he's um, the weed man. Before he goes and uh, before he goes and gets a little high, um, Foltest comes to him. The king comes to him in his room. To have a little conversation with him. Um, he's sort of examining Geralt's weapons. He sees the silver sword that's there. Uh, and he's like, all right, man, here's the deal. Can you save her? Can, like, I'm going to be frank with you. My name's Foltest, not Frank. But can can you think the spell can actually be broken? And Geralt says, like, yeah, I don't see any reason why not, like, if I'm successful. Um, and the, the king, it seems like he's probably never done this before, but as he even says in a moment... Geralt sort of in- inspires trust in him. Not necessarily like a guy you want to like like trust to keep all your secrets, but he is a man who seems like who is very dedicated to the thing that he does. He's not trying to trick anybody. He's here. He's saying what he means. He's not saying things when he has nothing to say, and he's just being very deliberate and straightforward about everything. Um, but Foltest here is like, okay, here's the deal. If you can't save her, fine. Like, kill her. And then I, I'll run you out of town, but that's it. Like, I, I, I trust you with this do the thing i believe that you can save her please please try to save her and um if you do then you know you'll get this big reward and everything will be great and if not that's it um but more than that he wants to know what's going to happen if Geralt does save her what then it was kind of charming that he was worried about her suffering but i don't know how anyone could think that she is suffering like she's got a palace she's got a sarcophagus she's sure. eating 50 people a year like it yeah. seems pretty idyllic like way way more I have than to the average work, like 40 hours a week like yeah. <laughs> i mean i want to i want to do the math i want to do the math on 50 people a year like if we average that there are 150 pounds you know that's i mean that's what like 5000 pounds of meat yep. Yep. <laughs> a year that is a lot of meat, For right? Sure, like, am I doing my math meat. right yeah. there? She she is mad sweet on that villager meat. <laughs> it's seventy five hundred pounds of meat a year. Let's and let's just divide that by like three sixty five. That's twenty and a half yeah. pounds of meat per day. Which I'm I, I eat a lot of meat. Like I'm not afraid to admit that. That is a lot of meat, especially if she's you know if she's bringing it home mm-hmm. and to, to store mm-hmm. it. But if she's just gorging like once every two or three days, that's a lot. That's a, like a yeah, huge but she's, amount of meat. she's the size of a barrel, and she's got those big paws to keep strong. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, <laughs> you gotta have them big paws. If you're gonna be thick like that, you gotta have them big paws. Um, you want to look have the big paws, I agree. But like, like Autumn, like you said, you know, King Fulta says to Geralt, she's mad sweet on that meat. And Geralt's like, no, I for sure, I understand. Like, I'm not trying to get eaten. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the king says, because I think, like you were saying, because I think, said the king, I think that she is suffering. Am I not right? The witcher fixed his penetrating eyes on the king. He didn't confirm it, didn't nod, didn't make the slightest gesture, but Fultes knew. He knew the answer. I like that It it isn't. Neither of them has to do anything for there to be a little bit of character development there. Like we learn a little bit. Of th- we learn that Foltest, despite being a sick freak, he is racked with guilt about this situation. And Geralt, he again doesn't have to answer a question. He lets people answer their own questions for themselves. 
Except yeah, this, this is all this gives is all that very fashion good. advice, right? Like when he's like, if <laughs> she for some reason did live, like, what should I do? He's like, oh, get her a sapphire. Oh yeah, get some juniper. Like he's giving oh, some nice, yeah. like good life advice. He um the the sapphire with a what what is it called with a um it's an inclusion because oh, I really an inclusion yeah it's a with pocket an inclusion of air. like a a pocket of air on the inside like that just sounds like some. Like, I, I hate to say, like I would, say, I would normally say some witchy shit if we were in supernatural mode right now, right? Like that sounds like some witchy yeah. shit, but that sounds like some witcher shit. That for <laughs> sure great. sounds like some witcher shit. Uh, and it's interesting that again, how much superstition seems to play into the facets of, of all these things. Some of it is, is false superstition, but here Geralt is like, yeah, uh, have her wear this thing so that she doesn't like turn back into one, I guess, or like go mad from whatever she's experienced. It, I, I can't help picturing it because I think he the, the line is and you should burn juniper broom and aspen in the fireplace of her chamber it just sounds like a Martha Stewart like <laughs> segment you know hey they both have the white hair <laughs> exactly they both one, done some shady like things a, one thing I like on a crisp fall day is burning juniper in a striga's <laughs> room you know this is the great Rivera uh, great Rivera Bake Off Martha story. Of Rivia. <laughs> yeah. Um, Rivia. I can't pronounce anything in this in this stupid world. I hate it Jeremy, so much. You don't, you know I don't what? know what is wrong with you. You don't me. have to. You're here. That's all that matters. Um, so yeah, now we just now we just cut to Geralt getting a little high by himself. I love this. I, I like this. I like this a whole lot, by the way, because. Uh, if you and again, I'm going to keep talking about the the games in comparison mm-hmm. to the games because I know a bunch of a bunch of people have probably played the games without reading this and uh, coming into the games like that. People will tell you, "Hey, you're you're expected to prepare for combat. Like you're going to want to take out your oils and like coach your, you know, your your swords with different kinds of oils, and you're going to want to like do some meditation so that you can cure where." kill werewolves yes. better or fuck them better which whichever, whichever one you're whichever yeah. meditation you're using yeah one is l2 one is r2 so you just remember what careful, you're going yeah. for uh but if, be very careful if anyone's interested in making their own witcher lean it's veratrum stromonium <laughs> hawthorn and spurge yes yes although yes. <laughs> that combo also, of witcher potions lean, is lethal by the way. to most so gotta be careful <laughs> yeah you have to you have to you have to slowly gird yourself up for that but yeah he's we got Geralt. he's just I was going to say he was brooding, but you know what? Geralt is not a very broody guy. At least not yet. You just wait to the later books because he's going to get crazy, you guys. Um, but he's not, <laughs> he's not, <laughs> he's, I mean, we're almost there. He's not, uh, he's not brooding, but he's, he's sort of standing in the dark, looking out over this, this settlement, this abandoned palace. Um, and throughout this, I, I really like the kind of like how much this evokes sort of horror in different ways. Like a lot of this seems like it should belong in a ghost story. And of course he's fighting monsters, so it's not that far fetched. Um, but there are always parts in this and in the second story uh, that sort of give me the chills. And it's what really made me love the the book so much. The first time I read them, uh, there's just something that's always a little bit kind of creepy uh, about different things here. But yeah. He's sort of standing in the dark and he's taking all of these potions. Uh, he's performing this sort of ritual a lot of it is him just standing very still. Um, he's he's putting his hand. He's definitely he's definitely masturbating. He's right definitely, now. But, <laughs> but he's but he's doing it without using his hands because he's in a like a fur meditation. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Where yeah. do you think he got the spurge? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he has his pure silver sword. The sheath is all etched with runes, and he's taking these potions that would kill anybody else who if they drank them. Um, and yeah, he's just he's just prepping. He's heightening his senses. Uh, he's getting greater control over his body. He's giving himself night vision. Like it's the full package. It's the whole the whole kit and caboodle. Um, and also his appearance changes. His skin gets really really pale. 
uh, and sickly and almost deathly looking. And in the games, he's always represented as having like dark purple veins kind of going everywhere, like these infected looking veins covering his skin. Uh, and he sort of becomes very monstrous himself um, in appearance here as he psychs himself up. <laughs> And uh, and he runs into an old, uh, to, to say an old friend, somebody he met like two days yeah, ago, yeah, like a little while ago. <laughs> um, he runs into the king's man Ostrit, who is like, "Okay, girl, uh, great, I'm sweet. Y- y- just leave. Here's the gold. Just leave." Yeah, yeah. Here's here's a thousand orans. GTFO. Like we we've already got some stuff in play that that we want to do with this. Like this is going to, and and, and you're out here. I see, now I'm freaking out. Every time I try to say it right now, I'm Big just trying G, to say it. Papa Gosh, G. Care Bear. I know. I did, I'm Care Bear. I call him um, the Witcher. <laughs> the Witcher of, of, of Riviera. Uh, no, that's not right either. Yeah. The Viet's mean. <laughs> um, he shows some kind of astute political deduction of yeah. saying, like, you know, not everybody thinks that this king should really be a king. And, you know, one could be confused. Like, and they're, and they're talking in that, that, that really cool, like, you know, fantasy th- thing of like, well, one person could think that, da, 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 yeah, da, da, yeah. Da. but like, hey, maybe maybe these guys are trying to depose of the king so that they can form a deal with a different king and something else could ha- like they could have a yeah. better a better deal. Geralt kind of calls him out. It's interesting. This guy is telling him all these things. Like, hey, leave, don't do anything. And Geralt, it seems like Geralt just did a ton of blow, and now he's trying to order a pizza, and he doesn't want the guy on the phone to know that he's super jacked up right now, uh, because he's just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. his whole body is pulsing, his senses are super heightened. And even when he speaks, he's speaking very slowly and deliberately. And he's like, try not to make it seem like I'm super jacked up on Coke right now um, or jacked up on whatever, <laughs> you know, monster juices. Uh, he's trying to, he's not trying Just to be betray. Cool. Just be cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, th- and he calls him out saying like, uh, yeah, it's pretty easy to dispose of the king uh, or to uh, dethrone him, I guess, if the people are very unhappy and the people are very unhappy when the king has a monster daughter that he refuses to kill who was just like tearing apart the town. Uh, but Geralt is like, yeah, that's um, that's not happening. And he, and he calls him out on everything. So um, Ostrich does not like being called out. And he's like, I'm going to slap you in your gob with the side of my sword if you don't take off. And I'm like, you're you're saying this to like a fucking ninja. Like, please relax. Yeah. You saw this dude just murder three people in a Chili's and like without any quest, without any without any hesitation whatsoever. Yeah. He, Murdered them like they were they, they were fucking uh, like Denny's employees. And, and he was and then they tried to give him a little mini lecture on like professional ethics, yeah. like he was my company's HR presentation. You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. He don't does. you have any professional oh, did, I, ethics? I really, I really do like the fact that like the word ethics comes up. Like, I want to see. I would, I would love to know if that's like a literal translation or something because I'd love to. Like, it just doesn't feel like it. Just feels out of place for for the Witcher to talk about straight up ethics yeah. for you some know, Maybe reason. it's a deft characterization. Like, Ostrich seems like the kind of guy that would talk about his ethics all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, Geralt is like, I have a, I have a professional responsibility to deal with this problem. Like I'm, I'm a guy whose job it is to kill monsters, and there's a monster there. Nobody else can do this job, so like it is just irresponsible of me to, to not follow through on this. Um, except he's all jacked up on coke, so he has to say it a little bit differently. Uh, and yeah, he pisses off Ostrit, who is like this fucking vagabond is talking to me like this. He pulls his sword on him, and Geralt, who is like, "Whoa, dude, please be cool. I'm not trying to." have my silver blade even come close to touching you and and sully it in any way so he just dodges the out of the way of ostrich's sword swipe and just like punches him in the side of the head and knocks him out 
I loved it when Ostrich was like, "You can't get me. I have a turtle stone." Yeah, and your magic he was just like, "Oh, oh, honey, honey, yeah. no, the turtle stone doesn't do anything." <laughs> it's again another superstition, except this one is false. It it won't protect against magic spells, but also Geralt is like, "Yo, I'm not wasting a spell slot on this noob." <laughs> No way. <laughs> oh, and, and, and I'm definitely not wasting the durability of my silver sword. My silver sword is for yeah. monsters, as, 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 you might, as you might know if you That's listen right. to this podcast. He's extremely <laughs> pragmatic, so he's just going to punch him in the side of the head. And then there's a break. And then a few moments later, Ostrich wakes up, and he's tied up. And Geralt is basically <laughs> using him as bait. Um <laughs> This is so good. This conversation, even it takes, always takes the the most deplorable people. This book and and seems to find a way to make you sympathize with them almost. Uh, the way that he's characterized here, Ostrich, as he's tied up. Of course, he's pleading for his life. He's a coward. He's got his tail tucked between his legs and his hands literally tied behind his back. But he starts to, even as he's talking to Geralt, being like, "Let me go. Are you going to leave me here for this monster?" Geralt, are you there? Which is like he he's getting nervous that Geralt's not even standing there anymore. Which again goes to show. Geralt, who is in this heightened state, has made his presence basically undetectable. He's he's again he's kind of like a ninja. Absolutely, yeah. Like I I, I really like that. I love the fact that he took this dude and used him as bait. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> like not even, I mean, just like okay, yeah, if you're gonna be here, then fine, you're gonna be here. <laughs> um, so Ostrich starts talking. He starts talking about how he was in love with Ada, the king's sister. And how he just re- he just despised the king for what he did, uh, not forgetting her. He he just perceives them not at all as being in love or having any positive relationship, which is I mean probably true. But he's like, yeah, the, the king treated her like some harlot. He got her pregnant, and then she died because of all this. But even as he's kind of going through the motions, he's like, I I mean, but this isn't my fault, Witcher, is it? Like I didn't cause this baby to be cursed. And they don't really go delve into how something like this could happen. But he keeps saying, I only said it. I only said it once. But no, it couldn't be me, right? Right, Witcher, right? It couldn't have been me who cursed her. Um, he doesn't say it couldn't have been me who cursed her. He just keeps saying it couldn't have been me. I only said it once, but we don't know what he said. And presumably, within in this universe, uh, words uh, followed up by powerful emotion can have true effects on people. Uh, and he seems genuinely like... Like, he's probably felt this all along, even behind all of his machinations and schemes and everything like that, and behind his hatred. He has probably always felt this this terrible thing inside of him, like a, a responsibility for, for her becoming a striga. Well, he's got a crappy way of showing it. Sure Don't talk bad to my, my friend Geralt. <laughs> yeah. He's my friend. Um, so, yeah, he's just been very upset, and, and presumably this is how she was cursed. Uh, somebody who, who just hated the king because he loved the king's sister, and... and um, yeah, now we have a streak on our hands, but it's creeping closer so, and closer to midnight. Again, just trying to get some more information about the world of of, of the Witcher. Mm-hmm. Is this is this a common thing? Because I, in most fantasy novels of this of this kind of ilk, we would expect to, for him to have gone to like a sorcerer or a wizard or a sorceress or somebody with power to get a charm, or he would have gone and made a deal with somebody or something like that to to do this. But instead, it just seems like he he just said a bunch of words and then like something happens yeah. like is that because if that that kind of wild unpredictable type of magic of like oh shit yeah <laughs> i didn't right. mean to do that is, is really it's, interesting to uh, me most most people in this universe cannot use magic in any way shape or form they cannot harness it it's pretty much just sorceresses and then witchers seem to be the two big groups uh who who use magic there's obviously others um magic in this world i believe comes from like another plane that sort of there was 
a tear in between these these planes of existence. That's how monsters came through. Uh, and sorceresses and uh, were they were able to harness like the raw magical energy of monsters that was coming through uh, while witchers are able to take some of the monsters themselves and kind of impart them into their own bodies and that's how they are able to harness magic it seems like magic belongs to monsters um, but it also has this sort of fairy tale quality to it where again you can you can curse somebody in a dramatic way and then it actually is a real curse uh, there is just sort of that that stray magical energy that that can uh, can be harnessed in this case unknowingly cool okay well thank you for the explanation I I, i'm it. probably like a little bit off on that but i can look into it for further episodes um but yeah so so midnight is creeping in <laughs> you're gonna need to give me a segment on gear bear's diary is what i'm gonna oh need. for sure for sure <laughs> <laughs> or how about how about chris's fairy tale corner where you tell us about the original danish fairy tales exactly it'll be like dad's diary <laughs> but it's danish fairy tales um so Geralt cuts cuts this guy loose he hears with his heightened senses the sound of the stone sarcophagus being pushed aside and he knows that the striga has now woken uh and this is when he chooses to to cut loose the uh ostrich the tied up ostrich and uh who's just like all right i'm out of here and he just takes off running and of course that is exactly what Geralt predicted would happen uh and it draws out the striga yeah and then um now we're we're kind of into a striga fight right like this is what we're going to be doing for, for a little while and I, I i enjoy this a whole lot chris yeah <laughs> this thing this is i think this is the first time like i was enjoying the kind of interactions between our, our characters our side characters and i was liking the characterization but it wasn't until this moment this this kind of fight that i was a hundred percent hooked that this is what brought me in yeah it's and it's not even just a straightforward fight like you would imagine in fantasy it's not you know george lucas writing the script for revenge of the sith and it just says that they fight and it's just like swords flashing everywhere you know all of this seemingly has context and it has a a a role to play everything that Geralt does isn't just to be flashy or cool and yet it is incredibly flashy and cool um he he's able to take the 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 time that the streaker is chasing after ostrich which is he homeboy gets get torn apart you can just forget about him uh, Geralt is able to take that time to get his silver gauntlets on. So he's not even pulling out the sword yet because, again, he's not trying to kill her. He's got his silver gauntlets on. He's got a silver chain. Uh, and he uses these effectively to to punch and to bind and whip the Striga. She's a very worthy adversary. For I mean, sure. She's kind of a badass. Yeah, they, uh, she's not messing around in any way, shape, or form. Um, he, you know, he's, he's punching it and... Um, using his chain but he keeps kind of like getting a little wounded or a little bit snagged and he can't quite seem to to hold her down and uh it's getting kind of serious yeah this is this is this is all really fun to me like i'm i I just i'm actually i have the ipad book open so Mm -hmm. i can kind of like as we were going through if there's a quote i wanted to read and then i caught myself tuning out the podcast and just reading all of a sudden (laughs) i was like no nope nope that's not the time to do that (laughs) (laughs) there is actually a um I guess an interpretation of this from the first Witcher. You can watch it on YouTube. It's like a seven-minute cutscene uh, of Geralt preparing. I think it's like the kind of the opening cinematic to the first Witcher. Uh, it's him preparing his his potions and his blades, uh, and it looks like a game from 2005 or whenever it came out. So it looks kind of funny. Uh, and then it's his battle with the Striga, and it's it's really interesting. But um, yeah, he has he has this kind of desperate battle where he doesn't want to draw his sword until then. Finally, he does, uh, and this is where. I think that things get the most interesting because again, he can't really cut her with the sword cause he doesn't want to kill her. Uh, uh, but he starts to sort of spin his blade, uh, and do this 
almost dance with it. It's always, they always use the word pirouette to describe Witcher moves. Because it's always the spinning, and like that's kind of a lot. Of, that's part of it. Uh, unlike a lot of other types of sword fighting, this is very much described as a dance. But here, Geralt—he's got this monster who they, they've been fighting back and forth with these silver weapons and everything. Um, he's he's spinning his sword, and he's making sure that he spins it out of sync with the steps and the movements that he's taking. So it's these two distracting forces, kind of creating an optical illusion or or some sort of hypnosis uh, over this monster. And as he's doing this, he himself is sort of going into a trance and channeling into whatever is going on inside of the Striga. Uh, he describes it as almost becoming a mirror to the monster as he starts conjuring up this this hatred and this anger and he's projecting it out. Uh, he is sort of taking in what the monster is, tapping into her deep emotions uh, and whatever is going on inside this monster, and he's reflecting it back at her. Uh, this is never really explicitly like explained as an ability. It's just him sort of, you know, the monster hunter becoming the monster type thing. Uh, it, it's an elegant thing to basically be showing her a mirror of herself. Yes. Y- you know, like, I mean, that that's elegantly done. And uh, yeah, it, it is. It is. It's, it's just, it's a whole lot going on here. Um, but yeah, he, he becomes this mirror to this evil and um, it seems to what, like knock her out? I'm actually, I don't, I didn't even it, write down what happened. It kind of, it kind of like scares her off or something. And then Geralt goes for the master stroke, which is sleeping in her coffin. This is like the, like, like true, one true goth. He just goes for it. I mean, he, he needs to make sure that she stays out <laughs> of her sarcophagus of her coffin until dawn, right? And so, like, what better way to ensure that she doesn't, like, sneak back in it while he's not looking than to fucking get in it and, like, go to sleep in it? I, I love, like, thinking about, like, a um, a Geralt Locks and the three Strigas, you know? <laughs> yes, like, yes, this, yes. this coffin's too <laughs> narrow. This coffin's too long. But he's found the right coffin, you know? Like, the, the Striga comes back, and she's like, who is sleeping in my coffin? Yeah. <laughs> and even him going into the coffin seems deliberate. The way he lays down, he sets himself, he has his sword laid over him. Like, he's he's good, he's ready. And then time passes, and, and Geralt wakes up. He pushes aside the, the lid of the coffin, and he, he climbs out. He looks around. He doesn't see her anywhere. And then finally he, he finds her clumped up. It's almost dawn. He's like, all right, I think I did it. And he goes in to, to check on her. I think she starts to look a lot more normal now. She's sort of becoming the image of an actual young girl. Uh, you know, her claws or her hands are basically still in claws. You know, they're, the nails are fucked up. Her hair is fucked up. She's dirty. She's got the, you know, messed up teeth. But she's no longer the size of a barrel, and she doesn't have paws, and that's a now, huge improvement. Now she's like pippy pippy long stocking with big old talons. That's right. That's right. Uh, so he he goes up to to check on her. He finds her unconscious, uh, but just as he's checking her, she lashes out, strikes Geralt in the neck. There's blood everywhere. There's blood coming from her mouth. There's blood coming from his neck. And what does Geralt do? Did he pull out his silver sword attack? No, <laughs> he fucking bites her in the neck. And this is, like, they do make a comment about this in a minute. But this is, to me, like, the most interesting part of this entire battle. Because, like, a little while ago, he just became a mirror to her evil monster emotions or whatever. So did part of that sort of still linger in him? Is that what made him bite her? Or is it just a last-ditch effort because he didn't have his sword or he couldn't do this or that, whatever? Like, it's just an interesting little move he does here. So I'm curious, Chris, as, as you're reading this, because um, you've been kind of walking us through 
what's happening here. Like the first time that you were reading this, and, and forgive me, I don't remember if it was before or after you played the games, but <clears throat> were you were you all in at this point? Like, were you like, holy shit, this is my jam? Yeah, I was. <laughs> like, I what, was 100%. what were you feeling as you, as you were? Okay, uh, I remember thinking that the. Uh, the first like the bar scene I was like okay our cool guy I mean I, this was like five or six years ago uh, the cool guy has done a cool like badass bar thing uh, but then there's a lot of talking and I'm like well is this going to be cool when he fights the thing and then it was extremely cool when he fought the thing even though I didn't fully understand every part <laughs> that was happening because things are kind of described vaguely like we've discussed um, but yeah I was I was full on in and then the next story I was 100% just like this is so cool I didn't expect this um, and yeah but, uh, yeah, so Geralt wakes up, presumably, I think it's two days later, and, um, he's, he, Velarad is standing over him, and he's like, hey, chill out, Witcher, you were hurt pretty freaking bad, your, your neck was really torn up, but, like, you're alive, the princess has been saved, the curse has been broken, she has been returned to a normal child, uh, I mean, she's, she's gonna be wet in the bed and, and crying out in the night for quite a long time, but she's no longer a Striga, and, uh, it's a job well done. Geralt succeeded. He doesn't get any big congratulations or anything like that, but um, there, there he just we have gets it. his sword and he just gets his three thousand Um The first thing that he says when he wakes up, he's like, "Where's my silver sword?" <laughs> he's like, "No, we got it. It's cool." But yeah, um, this this so this is our first short story. Essentially, this is our first little one-off thing, uh, and it ends with Velarad asking Geralt, "Why did you bite her?" Uh, but he doesn't answer because he's fallen back asleep. And so that's the end of the first short story, I guess. The Witcher. Uh, it's just him falling asleep after fighting off a Striga. That's our first monster of the week, is a Striga. Um, so what did you guys think? This is this is your first Witcher novel. This is your first real like big dive into it, right? I had no real foreknowledge aside from, again, those three-second bursts when I was waving goodbye to Jeremy. <laughs> I, I think I mentioned earlier... Oh, Geralt is my friend. Yeah. I am very, very into this. Like, um, I, cause I, you had suggested the premise for the podcast and I had started reading it before Jeremy. And like, I would like look over and I'd be like, this is good. They're playing with <laughs> conventions, Jeremy. Like- <laughs> yeah. I always wonder if it being Polish, uh, gives it a sort of a, a fresh perspective than what we're used to seeing. I mean, we're, we have like, basically our American fantasy or our English fantasy and like where else do we generally get our fantasy novels from it's that's kind of the whole deal uh or you get some sort of uh like from a lot of like Japanese video games or or, or anime whatever there's always the fantasy from that but other cultures obviously have their own takes on these things and uh it's it's interesting and I think that that really helps the Witcher stand out yeah they they yeah this is a Go ahead, Autumn. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, they take a fantasy trope that you think that you know, and they just seem to uh, do, like, a little twist on it. Mm-hmm. Y- you know? Mm-hmm. Like, um, they're they're playing with emotions. Yeah. Uh, I, this, this first story, I feel like it does a really, really great job of introducing us to the professional side, especially of Geralt, as well as a few other things. I mean, we even see him become, you know, he starts off pretty violent but it's like okay he did that to get the attention of of Foltus he did that to make a statement I don't even know if we mentioned that while we were covering it but he did you know he killed that dude to make a statement to everybody and clearly he didn't give a shit uh it is sort of established throughout that witchers are supposed to be these unfeeling uh uncaring monster hunters their their sole purpose is for killing monsters and making money and they don't care about anything around that as we're gonna go through we're also going to learn that Geralt is sort of 
He's not. He has. He's, he's not an exception to that rule because, in fact, that rule is not necessarily true. But once they start taking all their drugs, all their potions, and their oils, then that's when they kind of become that more monster-like, that more unfeeling, uncaring uh, aspect of themselves. But yeah, we get a pretty like like a cool girl. He's like a cool guy. He's pretty chill with everybody. People seem to like him, despite like him being this strange-looking. Okay, I, you know, a lot of people do try to kill him in this, so maybe not everybody likes him, but King Foltis does. Well, you know what? <laughs> that guy's also in, kind of a freak, so I don't know. Pe- people like him one-on-one. They don't like him in a group in a bar. Yeah, I think that that's actually, like, super fair to say about Geralt. Uh, he is sort of like, I, I guess, like a weird a weird dude who you don't necessarily want to be seen talking to, but once you get talking with him and you guys have a couple drinks, it's like, oh, this guy's actually like, kind of all right, but, like, I don't want anyone to know that I think he's all right. <laughs> I question his professional ethics, but <laughs> um, so yeah, do you uh, do you guys want to call it there and uh, cover the next story on the next episode? Sure. Uh, I just I just want to say like how like as I read these books, how much more it makes me want to play the mm-hmm. games, and I'm so and I'm at, I'm at I'm at a point where I just I don't have like I feel like if I The Witcher is one of those games in my mind that if I I need about five hours to sit down and, and like play mm-hmm, the game. Mm-hmm. Like I, th- I just, I'm just not able to do that right now, and it makes me sad. It's a game that so. you can't just like pick up and be like, oh yeah, well I can play this for half an hour every night this week. Now you got to dedicate the time to it. Uh, even now, like obviously I have uh, 400 hours in that game, and it's not like oh I've done everything and I'm sick of it. It's just that I need to like I need the the time and the space to sit down and do it. It can't be like a quick one off thing. Uh, but once I realized in the games that Geralt spoke in like half sentences all the time rather than saying like um, I don't know you need to go to the bathroom he'd just say go to the bathroom um, well, that was a really bad example but he cuts off all of the sentences and that little bit of characterization that they seem to be able to seep in throughout the books and, and throughout the games I think that they've done a great job with his character in the games as well uh, it just makes him so likable that it's hard not to get sucked in I'm into it. Let's get out All of right. here. Close this out, All Chris. right. This has been Silver for Monsters, a Monster of the Week production. You can follow us on Twitter at MOTWcast for our regular Supernatural contest, or content. Excuse me. Um, yeah, if, you're, if you're for some reason you're listening to this and you've never listened uh, to Monster of the Week, that's a whole other thing about the TV show Supernatural. And this, uh, I, what mm-hmm. it, this is going to be... Uh, its own feed uh, on iTunes and all That's the other podcast, pla- mm-hmm. podcast places. I believe it is Monster of so the Week yes. Productions or Monster of the Week Presents. I think it's Monster of the Week Presents. To be, yeah, it's it's going to be Monster of the Week Presents. I think it's going to be the URL. MOTW Presents is probably going to be something, and then I, we might buy a domain for it. We uh, I, I haven't really figured Who that knows? out yet, but uh, this will also have. Uh, and I want to mention this at the end, but uh, we have other ideas for series within this 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 podcast mm-hmm. so it's not just going to be witcher books uh, chris and i want to cover a bunch of different stuff this also gives us the opportunity to like bring on people to talk about and to talk about stuff with that we like and uh so you're going to see everything's going to have kind of a consistent naming scheme so the witcher series is always going to be silver is for monsters and then if we do something else it'll have its mm-hmm. own name and all of those will be numbered inside so it'll be really easy in itunes to see the differences and all of that so you can kind of clearly listen to what you want to but it will be a different rss feed than the main monster of the week stuff because we want to keep that separate we don't want to keep our we know our hunk fans are hunk fans and we know they're chris and jeremy fans but we don't want to try to confuse them with a bunch of you know gray-haired hunk fans that's that's weird (laughs) Um, yeah we want to see those venn diagrams touching and so yeah it'll be it'll be a separate just a shout out to to everybody who the people who support us on Patreon have allowed us to kind of like give us the space and the time to to work on other stuff like this so uh that's 
patreon.com slash monster of the week i gotta shill it out at some point uh if you want to see Absolutely. more of these podcasts uh then you can check that out um also if you want these podcasts early and uh, uh like i'm going to on our on our main on our main episodes we have that locked behind a tier but i'm just going to let all of our patrons hear these about a week early before that comes out to the public mm-hmm. so if that's something that you're interested in you want to get your witcher content or your your additional chris and jeremy content early go go check it out donate a dollar a month if we can really help us out you know that you don't even have to donate real big we we appreciate it if you do regardless uh also, I'd like to give a shout out to to my lovely wife for guesting yes, with us. Yes, thank podcast. you so much for being here. This was a lot of fun. Oh, thank you very much for for having me. It was a delight. Um, I am also a patron of the Monster of the the Week. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. You could just <laughs> every month she hands me a ten dollar bill with like the last quarter inch cut off of it, and that's for Patreon. Yes. <laughs> no, no, I, I I make sure to submit it online so that everyone can take their cut before you know Jeremy gets <laughs> yeah. the Patreon. Yeah. True. Exactly. Yeah. Government. Got to pay the income government. tax on that. <laughs> PayPal. Well, all right. Where can uh, autumn, uh, autumn? Yeah, autumn. Where can you be found on the internet? Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mrs. Greer. That's at M I S S U S Greer. Jeremy. I am at J G Greer on Twitter, and come come chat with me about anything and everything. And I am at Local Bones on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> thank you everybody so much for listening uh we will be back hopefully soon with a new episode uh of sober for monsters